Welcome to another episode of Rethinking Business, Success Sauce and Two Pickles, a podcast for business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs to listen, learn, and contribute to the rising tide of business ownership. Every episode features a business owner sharing their rewards, struggles, and lessons learned along the way. This From the Trenches podcast is exactly the secret sauce that every startup needs to start, run, or grow their business. And now for our hosts, Tamara McDuff and Sid Ragona. Good afternoon, Rochester. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Rethinking Business, Success Sauce in Two Pickles. I am your host, Tamara McDuff, and with my trusty co-host, Sid Ragona. Hey, how are you doing, Tamara? Always awesome. How are you doing? I'm pretty good, thank you. Pretty good. Always good to see you. Well, yeah. it's always good to be here. And I'm I'm happy about what we're talking about today because it's a very important topic for business owners. We're talking about insurance, is that right? That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. Many business owners don't realize how important it is. And they they skip over it. Yeah. In fact, when I mentor, the subject of insurance often comes up and it's probably the one I struggle with the most because I'm not an expert in insurance. Yeah. Therefore, for our guest today, since I knew it was going to be insurance, I have actually collected some of the most common questions that we get on insurance. And you want me to go over some of those questions? Sure. Some of the, just some of the things that, that we might talk about, because I think our listeners who own businesses might have the same questions and that'll say, hey, I need to listen to the show. Well, I guess the first question that I often get is, do I need insurance? And is it a law that I actually need insurance? That, that's the first one. That's uh, a good one. I get it is. It is a good one. Do you really need insurance or can you operate a business without insurance? Mm hmm. And at that point, I never know whether it's an insurance question or a legal question. <laughs> right. So, you know, that's, a, I think, a, a far-reaching question. Uh, other questions that come up is, well, I don't need insurance because I'm actually operating out of my home office or, in many cases, yes. my home bedroom or, or whatever. And therefore, nobody ever comes to where I live for my business. So do I actually need insurance? Yeah, that's a big one because, you know, people think that their home insurance is going to cover that. And I think our guest is going to explain, you know, why that's partially right. Yeah. And then we get a lot of people that, that they work from home. They don't make products, but they do give out advice. And let me bring up a, a recent example I had is I have two people I was talking to. One is a life coach. and. I think a life coach simply listens to somebody's life and mm -hmm. tries to set them on the right path. Do they need insurance? Right. Second one was somebody that does meditation online and so produces a, and it's not even personal. You subscribe to their podcast, for example, and you listen to ambient music with his voice saying, breathe in, breathe out, relax. Mm -hmm. And he earns an absolute fortune. Does he need insurance? Right. So those are, those are some of the questions that we get. And then we get more detailed, nitty-gritty questions. Nitty-gritty ones, yeah. Yeah, like the difference between professional liability and general liability. Is my insurance tax deductible? Questions um, such as that. 
Mm-hmm. And um, another one that comes up is cyber security insurance. That's a big one nowadays. Yeah, but what does it cover? Does it cover your laptop? You know. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and when is that an important insurance to have? Because not all businesses necessarily need it. Precisely. I mean, if you have uh, liability, if you have insurance for your uh, cyber security or something, mm-hmm. and you don't have any special software installed, uh, does that void your insurance because you're not taking adequate precautions? I mean, I, I just right. don't know this stuff. So I think all of this is probably very important for anybody that's setting up a business. And these are the most common uh, insurance questions that we get. Our guest is going to have answers to those and more. She's going to talk about all the insurances that your business needs at you know various stages. She'll tell us a little bit about her journey. And so a little bit about our guest. Our guest is a colleague and a peer and a friend of mine. I've known her for quite some time and met her through a mutual networking group here in Rochester, Rochester Women's Network. She's a past president of that organization. And she has won the Rochester Women's Network Up and Coming Award in 2017. And she also uh, obtained a lot of industry, insurance industry awards. And in 2016, was actually named a woman to watch by the Democrat and Chronicle. She has been developing the best insurance program for her clients' needs through her own agency. And I'd like to welcome to the show, Megan Mills, the mover and shaker that she is. Hi, Megan. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, you are very welcome. Thanks for being here. As you can see, we have a lot of questions about insurance because that is one of the first stumbling blocks new business owners have. Yeah, it's so confusing. And if you don't have a good person to trust, it's hard to navigate for sure. Shall we start with some of the questions? Yes, I'm ready. All right, right. Uh, This is like sort of lining up the curveball, right? (laughs) Let's deal with the first one. If you set up, a, if you're a small business, are you legally required to have insurance? I'm sure that this is, while it's a simple question, I've got this sense that the answer is not so simple. Yeah, I was just going to say it depends, right? So yeah, it's really, yeah okay. so there's so many different factors, right? As a business owner that you have to really think about. So I think the most important thing to know is yes, in regards to if you have employees. So when you have employees, you have to legally, regardless of where they are or what kinds of operations that you're involved in, if you have a W-2 employee, then you are required as the business owner to carry workers' compensation insurance. So I think that one is uh, hands down uh, a definite yes for employees. In addition to workers' comp, you have to also have uh, short-term disability insurance through the state as well. So those two you have to for sure have. So what if I'm just starting out and I don't have any W-2 employees, but I do have people that come in part-time that I'm going to pay as contractors, for example, you know, uh, 1099s, that sort of thing. Yep. So 1099s, you don't have to have workers comp for. And then regarding general liability or a business owner's policy, It really is going to depend on what your situation is, whether or not I would recommend to you to have insurance or not. In some cases, you are required. So let's say you own your building that you're operating out of. 
the mortgage company is going to require you to have some sort of insurance on that building. And as the owner of the building, you will have to have proof of liability insurance as well as proof of structure coverage, if you will, if you own the building. A lot of times, landlords will also require the business owner to have a certificate of liability insurance for any rental that somebody is is renting. So if you're renting space from someone, you're most likely going to be required to have some sort of business insurance. And as a landlord myself, I would always recommend people (laughs) as landlords to have their tenants be required to have insurance. So again, it kind of depends on the situation. Did that answer your question, Sid? It does answer the question, uh, but it begs another question, because while the question was uh, short and simple, the answer was not. It had a, a lot of different parts to it which all depends on one's situation. So, so would you give advice to uh, anybody thinking of starting a business, even before they start even dipping their toe in the water, to seek out an insurance broker and just free of charge, bounce their ideas off them, tell them what they're thinking of doing, and ask, what kind of insurance do I need? 100%, yes. So my recommendation always is to have someone that you can trust that that you know is a reputable insurance uh, professional who will give you advice and good advice, not just trying to sell a policy, right? There are people out there that will just try to sell you a policy. I, in my office, we're not uh, like that. We tend to err on the side of well, maybe you don't need it right now, kind of (laughs) just because we know that the overhead of running and creating, starting a brand new business is high. There are some things that you might be able to get away with not having for a short amount of time until you get up and rolling. Uh, So I have had situations in the past where I've consulted with people on whether or not they need a general liability policy right away. And I've told them, listen, come back and see me in six months. Let's see where you're at from a revenue standpoint, uh, and then we can figure that out from there. Yeah, I think that's good advice. I think a lot of people, when they're starting out, are a little bit intimidated about going to an insurance company or even to a a lawyer for legal advice, because it's like asking somebody, do I need your services? And you know that they're going to say yes. Right. uh, When possibly you don't need them just yet. Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So is business insurance tax deductible? That's another one we get quite often. Yeah, I mean, I'm always going to default to the the old verbiage of you should consult with your tax professional. But um, (laughs) (laughs) but yes, your business insurance should be tax deductible. Okay. All right. Uh, I think that's something that uh, perhaps a lot of people probably need to know in the beginning that uh, even your accounting, your insurance, and any legal fees uh, that you have, if they're pertinent to running a business, they're all tax deductible. Yeah. So, so it's a great that's that's a great deal. You actually mentioned, and this is a nitty gritty question, uh, and that is talked about general liability, but there's such a thing as professional liability. What is the difference between them? Yeah, that's a great question. So yes, general liability and professional liability are two different liability insurances that you can have as a as a business owner. Kind of the basics, right? So general liability, you're looking at a situation where something could happen to somebody physically in your space 
or, you know, walking into your building, that type of thing, where, you know, God forbid somebody has an accident on your property or in your business and sues you for damages for resulting medical bills, et cetera. So that's really in kind of a very high level nutshell of general liability. Whereas professional liability is similar to what is called E&O, which errors and emissions coverage, or malpractice insurance. So it's really based on the professional either opinion or professional act that somebody service that somebody is providing to you that would result in the claim. So for example, Sid, I give you advice on starting your business. I tell you, nah, you don't need insurance right now. You're fine. (laughs) You get sued two weeks later from somebody that you gave great advice to, but they sued you anyway. That would be something that would come under professional liability. Same thing with hairstylists. So hairstylists often have general liability in case somebody comes into their space, hurts themselves while getting into their chair, something like that. But then they also have professional liability because they're performing a service that is professional in nature, right? So they're putting chemicals on my hair so that I have highlighted hair. In that case, there could be chemical burns. There could be all sorts of different you know, issues with that type of um, application where they could be sued for that professional service. Yeah, I think it helps. In fact, you had my mind worrying because I was thinking about uh, lots of home-based businesses that come to your house as opposed to having an office space. And, you know, in general, when it comes to businesses, there's there's only really, really three things that anybody can ever sell. Uh, and that's a, a product, a service or content. And so I understand that if you're selling product, then there's probably some insurance about the safety of the product that you're selling. If you're selling a service, that would be like hair cutting or lawn care or or something like that. But what about selling something that's sort of a little bit gray in terms of content information? Uh, And what I would like to bring up is that there are more and more, and I see this uh, online, I see it on LinkedIn, there are more and more people uh, and, and Facebook giving life advice, you know, such things as life coaches. What kind of insurance does somebody sat at home being a life coach need, if any? Uh, and I'm, I'm picking on life coaches because it could be a yoga coach, it could be a meditation coach, uh, but it, it's somebody that from a distance, they're not traveling to see you. You may, may never actually walk down the same street as each other, but they give you advice on how to be a possibly better version of yourself. Sure. Yeah. So in that case, that's where your professional liability is going to come in. And a lot of, in particular, life coaches in particular, often have associations and things that they belong to. And they sometimes have really great programs, uh, specifically through those associations that will cover them for professional liability. But I have a couple of life coaches that I insure as well for professional liability. And really, I think you can take a step back and look at, okay, what's my exposure here, right? So as a business owner, I'm a home-based business, let's say. I provide advice on life coaching. I don't really go see anybody in their offices. 
I don't go to meet people often. I just mostly do Zoom sessions. So what is the exposure? The exposure is my advice. So it's not that the person is going to come into my office and trip and fall on my rug. The exposure is my advice, in which case that's where professional liability would come in. And that's similar to, you know, if you think about just any kind of business, so consider retail, right? So I have a retail store, let's say, and I sell clothing. Well, all right, take a step back. What is my exposure here? Well, I have an exposure for somebody hurting themselves on my property. If I own the building, I have exposure there if there's a fire or something. I have exposure in my inventory, anything that I keep in the store, any furniture that I have in the store, any racks or things like that, uh, hangers, all of that kind of stuff is all going to be an exposure for retail. So those are the kinds of things that I often will, I'll ask some questions when I'm working with people to try to figure out and kind of uncover uh, the real root of what is the what is the real exposure here, and how do we ensure for that exposure? I see. Well, let, let's keep going on this subject because I, I find it actually quite quite fascinating, uh, especially since you know a lot of us have been home because of COVID and uh, now are slowly emerging uh, from almost a two year hibernation, mm-hmm. etc. And uh, the other thing that I've seen a a tremendous amount of, and I have clients doing the same thing, is producing courses that they want to sell, you know, such as how to actually change your own tire or how to do a a number of things, uh, buy my course for $5.95, which hardly seems worthwhile. But I guess if you sell hundreds of thousands of them, it's a business. Sure. Um, What kind of insurance do they need when they're selling content that's been pre-recorded and to some degree the the two parties may never interact at all because it's totally automated that's a tough one honestly i probably am going to lean towards professional liability again because it's content that you've created and it's your name on the business and if that business name is ever served any type of lawsuit that business is going to have some um, exposure there. So I would say professional liability and essentially it would be, you know, the classification would be training for marketing or training for whatever you're, you're doing. Okay. Well, I think at this point, I I better be fair. And my co-host Tamara is uh, bubbling there with questions to ask. So I, I I will back off for a moment and uh, I'll pass you off to my trusty co-host here. Thank you very much. That's all great advice. And yeah, professional liability actually for consultants is always a big thing because everybody's a coach, everybody's a consultant. And I know for graphic designers, I think um, professional liability might have to come in in case you design a logo and you kind of sort of borrowed some clip art and it looks too close to a logo because they'd get copyright infringement or a cease and desist or something like that. And then they got to prove where they got the logo from that they did create it themselves, even though it might not win the court case, right? And they might still have to change it, but they can prove that they weren't, you know, yeah, it wasn't even, deliberate. Right. But even that cost of proving whether it was deliberate or not is going to cost that business owner money. And that's where both kind of a settlement option as well as lawyer fees. Yeah. So yeah, 
Mm-hmm. You know, I know when I started my consulting business it, way, way, way back, like 10 years ago, I was so afraid of making a mistake that it's the, that was the first thing I asked my insurance agent. I need errors and omissions. They're like, but what are you doing? <laughs> Why do you think you need that? I'm like, what if I forget something? They're like, yeah, okay, well, here's the thing. <laughs> but that's why you need good insurance agents like yourself who will walk the business owner through it and say, well, that's a good idea. We might be able to wait until you get to, you know, the size or whatever. Maybe, yes, you should be covered right from the beginning, but you have a good insurance agent that will share all of that context because everybody gets knowledge, right? We go to the Google University yep, and we become doctors and lawyers and insurance agents. And then we bring it back to the professionals and they're like, let me tell you the rest of the story. Listen, I go to Google University for insurance stuff too. Like, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I can't know everything about everything. Oh, no, but, no, not not at all. But we, you get yeah. the context from the professional, which totally. is why they hire you. I get yes. the information from Google, but I get the right. context from you. Absolutely. Right. So you've been in the insurance industry for quite some time. And you started out as a corporate employee, right? And then you moved into owning your own business. And then you moved into owning your own agency. What is the difference between, because I've always known you as an agent, right? And having an agency, that's where I met you was with your agency the first time. But what's different between an agency and a brokerage like what you've got now? Yeah, that's a great question. So an agency Um, I was still a 1099 independent contractor, but I was working specifically with one primary carrier. And that primary carrier was, you know, one of the ones that you hear all the time on the radio kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas now uh, I am a brokerage and that means that I can uh, get appointed with a bunch of different carriers, essentially. So I've got about 15 or so right now. And I work with all of those different carriers to figure out the best options for my customers. So, uh, you know, there are some carriers that are better with, you know, retail businesses. There are some carriers that are better with service businesses. And that's where uh, having a broker that knows uh, the ins and outs of most of the carriers, (laughs) hard to know all of them, but most of the carriers, uh, that's where that I think that benefit comes where, you know, we can shop it around. We can also figure out, you know, which carrier is the best for a certain situation. Now, do you take into account also how risk averse a business owner is? You know, some might want the premium standard of insurance, right? Because they don't want to take any risk. They want to be covered for everything that might happen, right? And then you've got business owners that I'm sure are just like, just give me the cheapest policy possible. Let me just cover my bare bones and just get my landlord off my back. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like I just need to show insurance so I can do business with this vendor or with this, you know, festival or, you know, whatever it is that they're doing. Do you, and so you shop policies according to that as well, I would assume, right. You've got relationships with all those other um, insurance companies that you can say, Oh, this one is better for the people who, are risk averse. And this one is better for people who, you know, need a lot more of a comprehensive plan. Yeah. Yeah. So there's uh, different carriers for a lot of different things. Yeah. I have some customers that are like, make me, you know, give me whatever I need. Like, I just don't want to worry about it ever. So just, I don't care what it costs, just give me what I need. And then there are customers who, you know, 
only net out 10 grand a year and they are trying to figure out what do I really need and why is it really this important right. because I you know have a small margin anyway. So yeah, uh, I have those conversations often with people as well. And we kind of just figure it out as we go and things can change. So every year I check in with my customers and say like, listen, what's different? What's changed? All that kind of good stuff. I have an example of a client who I recently worked with. She has a business and it boomed over the past three years. I mean, grew substantially over the past three years. And uh, she was not my client before, but she had about $10,000 in property coverage on her policy. So property coverage is essentially everything in inventory that she has. So I looked at her policy and then I was talking to her about trying to uncover some of these needs. And I was talking to her about, well, how much personal property do you actually have? How much inventory do you keep in stock? And she told me like $500,000 and I almost died because I was like, oh my goodness, you are so underinsured. I can't, I don't, I don't know. We need to do this like yesterday because it right. makes me panicked. And they do. Uh, panic. <laughs> <laughs> makes me panic. I'm risk adverse. I'm an insurance agent. Uh, but yes, so it made me panic. And luckily she agreed and we're all set now and she's very well insured if she if there is god forbid a fire or something in her building we know that she won't completely go out of business i think that's fantastic the other thing that i i like about you and i know a lot of insurance agents probably do this but i know you personally do it cuz you did it for me where you reviewed our policy just to make sure that we had certain things in place you know for for our business and things like that and you couldn't do any better than what we had and you said I'd love to have you as a client, but you're doing just fine on your own. So I I wouldn't change a thing. And I really appreciated that because we trusted you, right? Because you're a friend and you're a colleague and I've known you for a while. And you just went right through the policy and said, oh, you've got this and you've got this. Yeah, you've got everything you need. So I can't do any better for you. So I appreciate that. I just I don't know if we ever said that. I mean, I know we said thank yeah. you, but I want I, I appreciate businesses who talk themselves out of business. Right? <laughs> it's because not ideal, right? <laughs> it's but. not ideal, but you know what? Then now you become a trusted resource. Now when I send people to you, my score clients or my regular clients looking for insurance, I will send them, go talk to Megan. Go talk to Megan Mills over at the Flanagan Mills Agency because she's going to tell you exactly what you need and she's not going to oversell you. Yeah. And, you know, insurance agents sometimes get a bad rap, just like attorneys get a bad rap. So Definitely. what got you into, what got you excited about insurance? That you're like, that is the industry I have got to be in. <laughs> it's interesting. I kind of fell into it. And I think most people that get into the insurance industry kind of fall into it. I had a family friend that worked for top three company from the insurance land, and I you know, worked with her and uh, ended up getting a job in corporate. You know, it was great. I can't really complain. Uh, It was, it ended up being like fascinating to me to learn about all of this, all of these things that really, you know, not a lot of people really understand insurance and uh, I can have really great conversations with people. And now it's a passion, obviously you can tell that I like what I do and I'm good at it and I understand what people need and I understand also like people's concerns. I mean, 
yeah, at the end of the day, and coverage is important and making sure that you're fully covered. But at the same time, as a business owner, especially, I get it. Like, I want to keep my overhead down too. You know, I'm a business owner just the same. And I don't want to, you know, waste money on an insurance policy that probably isn't ever going to pay out because the odds are that it won't. Right. So right. I get it both ways. And yeah, that's kind of how I, I kind of fell into it. Did you, did you come from an entrepreneurial background? Like did your parents own a business and now you're owning a business? No, I'm actually uh, the first one in my family to own. Well, my uncles have owned businesses, but yeah, I'm really the first one in my immediate family to own my own business. And it is a little bit tricky, right? Because coming from you know, very stable, you know, you know, you're going to have this amount of money coming in on a monthly basis to riding the business wave, right, that we all experience. Uh, It is a little tricky, especially when working or talking to family and things, they're concerned about, you know, well, are you sure? This seems like a lot of risk. Are you sure about this? So, so Megan, on that theme, uh, and I know that uh, a lot of people that will be listening uh, are thinking about starting their own business. What was the transition from corporate with your almost guaranteed job, nine to five, payment, benefits, vacation, sick leave, and all the things that go with it, where there was a not just a thought that you'd like to work for yourself, because many people have the thought of being their their own boss, but the actual hard transition that I'm going to do it. Can you walk us through that? Yeah. So wild, right? Like I left a really, really great job that was pretty secure and opened my own office where I started from essentially zero customers. My sister was my first customer. and. Yeah, it was wild. It was uh, definitely a challenge. Um, I think for me, I always kind of had that entrepreneurial spirit back there that was kind of getting suppressed a little bit being in corporate America. And I also, uh, you know, was always looking for like the next thing and the next thing. And, you know, where can I get another promotion? This is the job that I'm going to be happy with. And I never was really that satisfied with any specific one job. And I had my daughter and I was traveling a ton kind of at the corporate beck and call, if you will. And I realized that I needed something that was going to fulfill me, but also gave me flexibility. And so I had been kind of recruiting and sales managing uh, insurance agents for a really long time and realized, why am I not doing this myself? Here we are. So what, what did you do? We were traveling. You got your daughter that you're missing. You got this comfortable job. Uh, did you find yourself sat in a hotel room with a napkin and a pen and start writing down? Well, let me just plan this out. Yeah. That well, I had been doing it for a long time. So I lived in Los Angeles for five years. And then after that, I moved to uh, northern New Jersey. And in northern New Jersey, I was working for the company and I was a trainer and a sales manager. And at the time, I was training agents how to do exactly what I was going to eventually do. I was telling them, okay, you've got to get your marketing systems. You've got to you know, have a plan and you've got to stick to your plan and open your office and you know, get all of these things set up. So 
really, it was, I kind of already knew, I kind of already had like the basics. It was just so here's an important steal, question, stealing then. some things from other people. <laughs> yeah, so here's an important question. You used to teach this without actually having done it yourself, but basically what they need to do. When you started doing it yourself, did it follow along textbook style? Not textbook style, but for the most part, yeah. I had a basic understanding of the insurance part. I will say that they did they did not train me for the business part. I had to kind of learn that myself. But yeah, as far as understanding insurance and what I was selling and all that kind of stuff, yeah, I, I knew that pretty well. It's really just a matter of getting the basics of business down that I had to kind of train myself on. And the mindset too, right? You had to change that mindset from you know employee and trainer to business owner. So even though you knew what to do, you you could you could foresee maybe or you could get around some obstacles that others might not be able to because you already knew what was coming. So but the mindset, how how hard was it to change from employee and trainer to owner and oh my gosh, this is this is all mine. I have to do all this. Yeah. So for me, I'm kind of one of those people that's always been a go-getter and like never really like turned off the phone kind of thing, had a boss that was exceptionally challenging. (laughs) One of the reasons probably that I left. But yeah, so for me, I kind of was always on, if you will, anyway. So it was, I fell into it pretty easily. And, you know, I'm kind of one of those people also that just like, I can do this. All right, Mm -hmm. let's go. I make my decision and Yeah, you just you you jumped. You had some kind of a plan, but you were also flexible enough with it. That's good. So, how did you find your customers in your first year? So, I did a ton of event marketing. I did a bunch of social media. I was probably way more creative back then than I am now. Uh, (laughs) I think that's what happens. You've done good. You've done good. I see (laughs) that you've taken some lessons that we've learned that that I taught you along the way. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I did a bunch of direct mail. I did some TV advertising. I did some radio advertising, uh, all sorts of different things. I really invested a lot in marketing. So our phones would ring. So we would know that we had people to talk to, you know, the basics of it. I am curious about this because my father was in the insurance uh, business and took a, a possibly not quite a similar path, but certainly a path whereby he had a, a whole range of uh, insurance that he could offer and always had to find new clients. So how many of the clients, you know, percentage-wise, rough guess, are people that are transferring from, I worked with this agent, I think I'd like to work with you because they're all, they've already got insurance, to people that are brand new and the policy that you issue them is the first policy they've had for whatever you're issuing? I mean, probably less than 10% brand new. If you think about it, I mean, everybody usually has insurance already. It's so funny because when I'm at an event and I'm chatting with people and they're like, oh no, I already have insurance. Yeah, I know. You have to. (laughs) If you drive a car or have a mortgage, you have to have insurance. It's okay. Like we can still talk. So yeah, I would say uh, probably less than 10% brand new people. I mean, some new businesses that I get, you know, from referrals and things like that. And then 
occasionally somebody that comes from a different country or something that has, you know, no insurance experience here. Those types of situations are probably the only ones that really have no insurance experience or prior insurance at all. Most kids get on their parents' policy first and stay on there for a couple of years. So yeah, it doesn't happen that often, but the value proposition of working with us is that we are, we'll educate you and help you as much as we can. Now, did you have mentors yourself? Because we all know that successful business owners have mentors of some kind. So I'm assuming you had mentors or a board of advisors per se. Yeah. I mean, I had some people that I knew through corporate that were my mentors when I was a corporate employee. And then when I went out on my own and uh, started my own agency. I had several people that I would call and rely on. This is going on. What do you think about this? I have people in mind that come to mind right now. If I'm having an issue or or just need to bounce an idea off someone, I have a few people that I would call right away. You know, and what I always like to ask this: What is the best or worst piece of advice one of your mentors ever gave you? But mentors are human, right? And just because something worked for them doesn't mean it's going to work for you, but you took it as gold and you're like, wow, that is like, (laughs) I wouldn't do that. Or what's the best piece? So one thing that I I did way back when was uh, TV advertising. And I got that piece of advice from somebody and it really did not pay off. And it was so expensive for me, at least. Uh, I think it would be a totally different situation if it was more of a product or even like a service like construction or remodeling or something like that, where it was tangible. I think it would work a little bit better. There's so many insurance agents. I kind of got lost in the weeds of TV advertising. I think it was kind of an expensive mistake uh, to take that advice. Sure. What was the worst advice you ever got tomorrow? Uh, Hard I don't to find. like when you flip the script on I me mean, because now I got to think. <laughs> I'm just curious. I'm trying to think of the worst advice because it would have come from a long time ago. Oh, and I think I think actually one of the worst pieces of advice and, and it, but it, it ends up being the best piece, too, but was know your place. Know that there is a counter between you and the workers. Like I had to go file death certificates, right? And so there's a counter. And I like to be super friendly, you know, because I'm so introverted and shy and I don't like to talk in public. So or, or act like I'm a big deal. I don't like to do any of that. So I wanted to walk in. I'd be very friendly. They all love to see me. We converse. And I get back to the office and I'd be told there is a counter between you for a reason. So always know what your place is. But so that held me back from business and jumping in and doing things. And it's still one of my fears, right? I have to know my place. So growing the business is difficult when I lean on that piece of advice. But isn't that good advice and bad advice all wrapped into one? That if your customer service, for example, on on the other side of the counter and you're providing service, it's good to know your place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it it was exactly what you said. That's why I said it was it was good, but it was bad because it did hold me back. But then when I got around that, I could tell that there's a time and a place for that. There's a time and a place for you to know your place, whether you're a young business owner or you want to go for that corporate promotion or you know whatever it is. And then there's a time for you to remember what 
you know, to know what it is. And then there's the time for you to ignore that and just jump in. Interesting. I have another one. Yeah. And it was <laughs> essentially be nice to everybody because you never know who your boss is going to be. That is and that it, it like hit home not too long ago when I reconnected with somebody who I had worked with prior and I was, I was trying to get into a new carrier and that person was essentially the gatekeeper to get into the new carrier. And it was so, it's so true. You just don't know how in Rochester is a small area. I mean, it, it's a big city, but it's a small town. Like people know each other and you just mm-hmm. don't know. So be kind to everybody. You do have to be kind and you have to watch what you say about people because it is a small town and word gets around. I had something similar happen about four years ago. I ran into somebody totally unexpectedly. She was somebody that everybody talked about, right? And she came across a certain way when I originally knew her. And now our paths cross again. And I'm like, I can't believe that you're on this team that I, of people that I need. <laughs> you know? And she was, But she was a different person. Yeah. It'd be nice to have the people on your way up because you don't know who you're going to meet on the way down. Right. Well, you're going to meet them on the way down for sure. Yeah. It's, and it's all about relationships and maintaining relationships. You can put boundaries around different relationships, but you need to maintain them because you never know, you know, there's a p- time and a place again for burning bridges and maintaining relationships. So there's your relationship advice, everybody for your business. So <laughs> <laughs> know when to burn your bridges and know when to build the relationship, I guess it's a fine balance. So I think it's time for our signature question. Well, uh, I do have a signature have question, and oh. uh, but I also have an additional insurance question. Do we have time for this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, question? you've got some time. All right. I'd like to discuss uh, something that just basically I can't wrap my mind around, and that is insurance for cybersecurity and so forth. And I have a feeling that this is going to be very much like the first question. It depends. So, so can you enlighten us, Megan? Yeah, absolutely. So cybersecurity is actually very, it's hot right now, unfortunately. It's happening a ton out there in the industry with tech companies and larger companies and even smaller ones. I'm sure you've experienced a situation where somebody said that they've had uh, a hack or their website got taken over or other things like that. And that happens. And unfortunately, it's just kind of the world we live in. So cyber insurance is really a liability policy for your business or as a business owner to ensure that you are covered if there is a situation where a cyber attack happens to your business. So whether that is the notification process to all of your customers that you had a potential data breach. So think about like, Have you ever received one of those mailers that say, you know, your information could be compromised? Here's a free year of whatever security monitoring system that they've had. Have you guys ever had that or credit monitoring system? Yes. Yes, we have the credit monitoring system. Yeah. So there there are companies and it's required by law that companies, uh, if they have a significant breach like that, they, they have to notify the customers as well as provide them a certain time period of free monitoring, in which case that's expensive. So think about from a cost perspective, even sending out a mailer is expensive, let alone paying for an entire year of credit monitoring for all of your customer base. So really 
Those are the types of things that you want to think about when you're looking at cybersecurity insurance. What is your, again, back to that question of what is your exposure? My exposure Mm -hmm. is I have a database of 5,000 people and what happens to their customer and personal information if I get hacked? And how would I pay for that situation if I did have to pay for credit monitoring for all of those people? So that's where cybersecurity comes in. So like my email list. So when I say sign up on my email list, I don't have personal information other than like your name and your email address. But if they were to hack my website, they would get that. And then from there, they can hack something else. But my exposure would be relatively minimal because I don't have personal information or credit card information, but it's still there. Correct. So yeah. But the other thing for you, Tamara, would be, you know, what would happen if somebody took your website over? Yeah. Right. So if they took your website over, yeah, right. You either have to take that content and put it into a new domain name Mm -hmm. or potentially have somebody try to get it back from whoever took it over. And that would be another thing that cybersecurity or cyber insurance would Would. cover would be if you had your website uh, taken over. The other thing to think about as well is like customer lists. So doctor's offices, people with any kind of medical records, I think there was a pretty large exposure for them in the fact that if, if somebody said, okay, I've got your customer list and I have all of their medic, all all these people's medication, and I'm going to hold it for ransom. And if you don't pay me a million dollars, I'm going to release this to the public. That's cyber insurance. Yeah. So Sid, are you going to run right out now and get cyber insurance added to your policy? No, I'm, I'm going to do what I, I normally do with all this information. I'm going to sit quietly with a cup of tea and wring my hands and think, hmm, what do I need to do now? That's what that's what I'm going to do. Oh, okay. But before okay. I do anything, I, I think uh, the wringing of one's hands and postponing any action has worked for me in the past. Oh, okay. So we don't want to well, change anything. We want to shake it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And before you do anything, you can always call me and ask me for my advice. And again, I've talked, I've said it before that I will give anybody advice for what it's worth. (laughs) (laughs) And I'd be happy to talk to anybody about uh, what I think that they should do in a situation, depending on their situation. Well, I, I, I don't know if we're friends on LinkedIn, but I'll reach out to you on LinkedIn. How's that? Sounds like a plan. Yeah. So here's a question for you. I have no idea how old you are, and I don't need to know how old you are. But I'll assume that for the sake of the question, I would like you to cast your mind back to your younger self, 20 years younger than you are now. You have less than one minute to give your younger self some life-altering advice. What would you say to your younger self in that one minute? Yeah. So Honestly, I would say to my younger self to really follow my heart and kind of uh, continue to work hard, keep my head down, and it all kind of falls into place. If you have a good work ethic and you have kind of a drive and a vision of where you want to be, I mean, you're going to ride the wave, like I said before, but it kind of all will fall into place and everything will be okay. Would the younger you have heeded that advice, do you think? Oh, yeah, totally. Totally, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. Okay, all right, so man. We, we, we were some hardworking, hardworking, driven kid. 
I always was. Yeah, I got my first job at my uncle's. He had a, a little grocery store. And I mm-hmm. think because it was family, I think I started working there at like 14 or something. Okay. But I had told my parents, I want a job. I want to earn money. And I was always on the student council. And I was the in our called student government in college. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I always have been involved in things and probably an overachiever my entire life. Well, good for you. Um, if you're not going to overachieve, somebody else will, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, might as well be you. Yeah, we all have been involved with family businesses. So we've all been working since a young age, right? Because I was working, but not officially working at my parents' place yeah. all the time. I'd file, I'd type, I, you know, whatever. And then they gave me an official job. Sid helped his dad. You know, that's where he got his sales training from in the in the very beginning. So, you know, I think it's I think it's good. I know I remember as a little girl, I wanted to be a secretary like my mom in a record label because I liked music. Oh, yeah. By the time I was like seven or eight, I was like, I'm going to own the record label. I think that would be good. There I didn't you know go. what I was doing. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. You got to have a vision and then you've got to get the drive behind it. So here's a question for both of you. And it's sort of a philosophical question. Oh, since all three of us may list ourselves as being driven hard workers and uh, started in family businesses. How much of that do you think is personality? Or how much is the fact that we didn't have cell phones, Facebook, social media, and a lot of things that would otherwise distract a curious mind? Megan sat there thinking, well, I had a phone and Facebook and everything when I was a kid. No, right. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> Not that young. Thank you, though. I appreciate right. that. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm harking back to the era of Sputnik. Yes, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. I do think. Yeah, I do think that there is some merit to that, though, said honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like right now, right, the only thing that that like young people say now is I want to be an influencer or I want to be a YouTube star or like things like that, where I don't know. I feel like you just kind of had to go out and explore and do things when we were young and didn't have, you know, all of the social media and internet and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. We were actually just talking about this on vacation up in the mountains because our kids are all addicted to their phones somehow they got that way. And we're like, I remember when we were kids, we didn't have a TV to watch movies on vacation. You were outside. Yep. You were down at the beach, you were water skiing, you were playing in the sand, you were running around, I take you hiking something. We had no choice. Hiking. Yeah, we had no choice. And at home, my parents would kick us out and we'd come home when the streetlights came on. Right? Yep. We were expected home at six <laughs> o'clock for dinner. And then you could go out for another couple hours in the summertime. And you know, you, you just did it. And kids just weren't growing up that way. So I I think there is something to what you just said, Sid, that kids now are distracted. I remember looking up to my grandfather, my father, and seeing the power they had when they walked in a room because of the respect they commanded from being business owners in the community. And that's where I got my love for community service and came up with that whole servant leadership. And, you know, because I wanted to do that. And kids today are so nose down in their phones and tablets they watch, but I don't know that they developed that drive, all of them. But your, yeah. one of your sons has a drive, Sid, has a creative yes. drive. Yeah, they all have different drives. My youngest son, Spencer, uh, very driven 
in terms of uh, film and editing and so forth. So mm-hmm. just started RIT last Sunday. Very, yeah. very proud of him. Uh, my daughter's quite driven. Uh, in is. fact, she has a very curious mind and very person-centric. So proud of her. Yes. And my other son, Sam, some might say he's not driven, but he's driven in a different way. He is a Renaissance man, and he will tell you. And a Renaissance man has many different interests, too many to complete at times. Mm. And so sometimes when he's swapped between different classes and focuses, it's because of his overwhelming curiosity for something new. That's a good way to describe him. I like that because that's totally him. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. that's that's yeah. totally him, and and I would agree they are they are all driven in in different ways. Yeah. So, so I'm proud of them all for different things. Absolutely, and you should be. They're good kids. So are you seeing they, any drive in your kids? I know your kids are young, Megan, but still, like I said, I was five and I was gonna like own the record label. So, are your kids driven? Do you see? Yeah, I mean, I think in different ways. So my daughter is a natural born artist. She's amazing. And uh, I told her recently, we need to get you into like a sport or like something to do like after school. And she was like, I don't want to do sports. I don't want to do gymnastics. I don't want to do dance. I don't want to do any of this. What about art class? (laughs) So I've been looking up art classes for her. I mean, if that's what she like loves, and she can you know, get a sense mm-hmm. of camaraderie and be out of the house for a little bit for an art class. Hey, yeah, it's all right. Absolutely. And my son, he's five and he's crazy. And he's, I think he'll have a good drive. It's just honing in on the the nonsense right now with him as a, he's going to be a, a stand up comedian. So he'll be rich. He, he, he's a trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's fun watching them grow and experience life and figuring it out. Totally. Uh, I think that about does it for our show. It's, you know, the hour goes quick, does it not? So fast. Yes. Thank you both for having me. And I really appreciate the time and look forward to talking with you again. Oh, thank you for being here. I think you gave some really great information for our listeners, you know, about insurance and how important it is to talk to an agent and get the right amount of insurance, right? Sid, do you have any last words or takeaways or anything for our listeners or for Megan? Well, I, I always have last words, especially <laughs> with something uh, this interesting. And it's interesting in the sense that if you're going to be in business, at some point, you are going to need insurance. Mm-hmm. And it's not just, I have a certificate of insurance, it's the correct insurance. And you can only get the correct insurance by discussing your business with somebody such as Megan, who. Uh, obviously started her own business, gives talks on insurance for small businesses. And therefore, you can't go to a a much better place than somebody that uh, specializes in, or one of the specialties is small business insurance. So I I think we'll hand it back to Megan to actually tell people how they can contact her. Yes. Um, Thank you. Yes. So again, my name is Megan Mills. My business name is the Flanagan Mills Insurance Agency. We are located in Rochester, right on Titus Ave in Irondequoit. And our office phone number is area code 585-678-8008. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and our website is themillsagency.com. Thank you very much, Megan, for being here and enlightening us. We really enjoyed having you. 
Thank you, as always, to my co-host for doing this project with me and just jumping into it. And thank you to our listeners. We can't do this without you guys, and we appreciate it. So until next week, everybody, I hope you are good to yourselves and good to each other. Thank you for listening to another episode of Rethinking Business, Success Sauce, and Two Pickles. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort, and we'll catch you in the next episode.